0: Happy Valentine's Day, happy Valentine's Day. Hey, if your bride is with you, husbands, give your wife a kiss in church, why not? There we go, woo, and those of you online, just stop there, okay? (laughs) Hey, we're married people. (laughs) It's good to uh, be here today. I'm excited as we continue this series of messages. I've been watching uh, some of the Valentine posts on social media. I've enjoyed them. Uh, Hearing people when they first met and um, where they gave their first kiss. Our first kiss uh, was at Winona Lake in the lifeguard chair, Ann and I. Uh, I said, and that saved my life (laughs) Uh, down to Winona. So from time to time, we'll drive down to Winona and go back and repeat that moment. I remember the geese flying away, and uh, it was a a fun moment in college together. uh, We have... Ann and I have many, many great memories together. Think about this statement in regards to the gospel. The gospel is about power, raw, life-changing, heart-starting power. That's the gospel. The gospel is about power, raw, life-changing, heart-starting power. Now that power, that gospel lives in you and me. Those of us who know Jesus Christ. Pull away and answer this question Is that what your life looks like? Raw, life changing, heart starting power when we face what appears to be impossible. Is that a picture of our lives that we are those people that represent the gospel? The gospel is life changing, it's heart starting power. Or has that been on reserve for a while? Have you stepped away from that power and run on your own power, which is far, far short of that? This past week, last week, Ann and I were in Florida, and and as we were there, we were on mission. Tons of opportunities to share the gospel with people. And every chance we got, we look for a bridge to share the gospel. One of the days I went into Winn-Dixie, grocery store and I was going to buy some lawn chairs or uh, beach chairs. And so I walked in and grabbed some beach chairs and went to the, the register and I noticed the lady was kind of down. And I said, hey, how how you doing? How's your day going? It's, it's going okay. And she says, how's yours? I said, it's great. I said, I got Jesus with me. I said, no matter where I go, he is with me. And she looked at me kind of, I said, that gives me strength, gives me power, gives me a I, I said, uh, encouragement that I need comes from him. And, I, and so I asked her, I said, do you know Jesus? Have you ever met Jesus too, the Jesus? And she said, you know, I have. I said, well, tell me about it. When? She says, a long time ago, I, 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 I trusted in Jesus. And, and I said, you know what that means? Her name was Samantha. Samantha that means that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. He's with you wherever you, I said, he's with you right now in Winn-Dixie. And she looked at me, and she went, (laughs) woo. She had this southern twang, and I mean, she broke out into praise, and all of a sudden, and she said, that's exactly what I needed to be reminded of. And she hit the counter, (laughs) woo. She rang me up, and and as I was leaving Winn-Dixie, she was still yelling, yeah, yeah, yeah! People were looking at her, but as I think back to that moment, she forgot who she was in Christ. She forgot that the raw, life-changing, heart-starting power of the gospel lives in us. And I wonder how frequently those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, we pull away, we retreat, and we forget that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Let me ask you a question. Did it look like that this past year in your life? Did it look like that this week? We have the living God in us. Grab your Bibles and I'm going to show you an example of what that life-changing power can do and turn to John chapter 11, John chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7 of John chapter 11. ask you to stand here and and those of you who are online, would you stand and, and read with us also John chapter 11, let's read verses 1 through 7 of John 11. Would you read with me? Ready, read. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his, her, her mother, or her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Notice, for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. You may have a seat. If you're familiar with this account, we stopped here in verse 7, Lazarus dies. In fact, he is dead for four days. And so Jesus is entering into this account about two days into the death process. Yet with Jesus, we know this to be true, but do we really live this to be true that dead things can live again with Jesus? They can. And not only can they, he wants them to. Faith, our faith, inserts a comma at the end of a death sentence when we have Jesus. And so what the world might say was, is dead. What your boss might say is dead. What your doctor might say is dead. What your wife and husband might say is dead. Or your mom or dad or your teacher or coach It says it's dead, you're done. Faith inserts a comma because with God all things are possible. I trust as we walk through this series you and I are beginning to see That we serve a God that can do what no man could ever do on his own power. Maybe you long to see God do a miracle and it appears nothing has changed. But listen, just because you are here today, God sees the end of your story. And so instead of inserting a period, insert a comma and say God's not finished with my story. In fact, in verse 4 of chapter 11, it says, when Jesus heard this, he says, this sickness will not end in death. I'm going to say, wait, exclamation point, question mark, after what? This will not end in death? Lazarus is dead. Look at verse 16. Jesus knows this, and, 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 and so what we see in verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go there that we may die with him. Jesus wants to go back. He, if he goes back to Judea, he could face death. We know that Lazarus is, is dead. Verse 11, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. This sickness will not end in death. Jesus, wait a minute. It's, he's dead. He's dead. How will the sickness not end in death? This is where Jesus inserts a yeah, but to our situations. He is dead, but it's not over yet. With Jesus, it might look like a termination notice that has been given at work, but it will not end the way you think it will. For some, it might be a doctor's report, report. With Jesus, it's yeah, but. The window of opportunity may have seemed to pass you by, but with Jesus, it's often a setup for, yeah, but even though he's dead, Jesus says it will not end in death. How is that possible when he's dead? Your delay and my delay is often a setup for God to do the impossible and receive greater glory. Jesus says this sickness will not end in death. What did he mean it will not end in death? The truth is the last chapter has not been written for Lazarus nor for you. Faith often looks like it's out of touch with reality, but it's because we are in touch with Jesus. Sometimes we say things or you see people trust in God in ways and you might walk away and say, man, they're a little weird because they believe that this could happen when this is what the report is. But with Jesus, he inserts a yeah, but, because that isn't the end. He can see past that point and say, this is still possible. So when he saw Lazarus and he spoke to them, he was dead, but he said, it will not end in death. Why is that? Because the story wasn't finished. Yes, he was dead, But it won't end in death because Jesus was about to intersect this death part of Lazarus' life. I love in verse 5, and this is why you and I need to be reminded of this, is what I did with Samantha. Verse 5 says, now Jesus loved Martha, and he loved her sister Mary, and he loved Lazarus. That statement gets lost in this miracle. And let me just pull away and say this. He loves you too. No matter where you're at right now, sometimes we think, does Jesus really love me? If he loved me, then he would do this. Then I would be receiving that. The truth is, he loves you more than anyone does. And he wants the best for your life. And he wants you to believe by faith that he can walk you through the difficult times in life. Sometimes it may look like God is missing the mark, but it's because you and I are too short at sight, or have, are short in seeing the sight or the target that he has. We look here and say, well, it appears like God has missed the mark. I might as well move on from here. I've been thinking about this and it looks like there is a comma here. Yet God is looking past wherever you are at now, whatever report that you have, whatever appears to be dead, we stop here and think, well, this is all there is. God's sight is way beyond that. He sees the full end of the story. We must stop looking here and we must start looking there because God isn't finished with your story. Look at verse 8 through 13. Read on in this story. It says this in verse 8, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Verse 14 So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there. I just want to pause and say, What? You're glad that you weren't there? It's like, wait a minute. Why are you glad he's dead? And Jesus explains and moves on. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. He's setting them up for this miracle. Once again in verse 16, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Jesus was comforting them sometimes the will of god in fact may cause you to lose your life in fact jesus was willing to go back to judea and they said if you go back there they'll stone you that's why we left there but jesus loves us so much loves lazarus that he was even willing to go back and face his enemies with possible stoning again it's a picture of his love in the middle of this miracle. Sometimes God will ask you to walk in places where others tread lightly. Sometimes the will of God is very dangerous. The will of God is not an insurance plan, but a daring plan. I wonder how often you live with that truth. How many of you have written your own insurance plan instead of trusting in God's insurance plan of protection? How many of you have softly and gently navigated your life through with every protective barrier around instead of walking in the faith of God and say, God, I'm going to trust you more than I trust me. They continue and seem puzzled and Jesus clears it up. He is dead and I'm glad I was not there. Verse 16, Thomas often gets overlooked in this account. I love what Thomas says here because I believe he gets a bad rap. 16 again says, then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the disciples, rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I love the faith of Thomas. Most of us only remember him as doubting Thomas. But Thomas was willing to go back to Judea knowing full well that if he went with Jesus that he could get stoned too. Because of Jesus preaching, he realized, if I associate myself with Jesus, but he said, let us go, let us die with him. I want to ask you a personal question and only you can answer this question because you know in your heart the answer to this question. Does the posture of your life reflect that God of the universe lives in you? Answer that question. Has the way you've lived this past year reflected that the God of the universe lives in you? Raw power, heart-starting, dangerous power, faith-filled life. Has your posture that you retreated to or lived in, would people say, there is a picture of the gospel being lived out in someone's life. Or would they pull away and say, hmm, I thought they were a Christian. Does your life represent the posture of a life that's been deeply changed, where the living God has entered your heart and is with you? Sometimes it requires us to remember that God, even in this case, There was a waiting period that was taking place. But in the waiting time, even the sisters of Lazarus still believed that even though he wasn't here now, if Jesus could get there, their waiting faith believed. Their posture still was belief that Jesus could heal them. Waiting faith is difficult Sometimes we want to bail out because we say, God, why haven't you answered? And there's this posture that we need to have. God, we believe even though we don't see. God, even though I'm looking right here today and this is the end of what it looks like, I want to look down here because you're not finished. But there requires a journey of waiting faith. I think about that every time I get in the woods to go deer hunting. And I go out and I get off my couch. My dad told me when I was young, he said, Jimmy, you'll never shoot a deer sitting on your couch you got to get outside and every time I go out in the woods I can tell you there's this conversation that I have with myself it's I haven't seen anything and I think I sat here yesterday and didn't see anything and there's this conversation you ought to just go get in your jeep and go home just go home because you didn't see anything yesterday it's the same as it was the day before but then there's this other voice that says but this could be the day That Mr. Buck walks into the picture. This could be the moment that this deer could come walking around. And I can't tell you how many times I've stayed in that stand. I've sat in that shelter and I waited until dark. This waiting and hope-filled faith that this could be the day, the moment. And why do I know that? Because I can tell you tons of times where I went to the same place that someone the day before hunted and left early and I stayed later and I killed the buck. It's waiting faith. I even would call this, I think a lot of Christians have fair weather faith. And they'll hold on for a while, but when it gets hard, they retreat. I'm not going out there, I'm not going there, there's no way. Like, I need to protect myself, I can't get out there and get dirty, I can't get wet, I can't get cold, I can't, can't get... We must add an element of the unknown to our faith because in my experience, and if you're honest, how many times have you waited upon the Lord and it just seemed like the answer wasn't coming, but you continued to wait and finally the answer came. Many bail out here. I call it the I might syndrome. Fair weather faith. Well, if I do that, I might get wet and It might rain, they might do this to me, or I might catch that, or we might lose that. And it's this I might syndrome instead of the God can syndrome that says, even though I see this, and this might happen, I believe it with God can. And these women, these sisters of Lazarus, had the God can faith. Jesus could have healed him of the sickness like he had done for hundreds already. He could have healed him from a distance. He could have healed him before he died. But this miracle gave him a chance to reveal his resurrection power. And you cannot resurrect what is not dead. (laughs) So Jesus waited a little longer to reveal a little more of his power So if you feel like you're in a holding pattern, a waiting pattern, it might be because God is about to do something more miraculous than he had previously and you have previously experienced. Because our God can do what we could never do on our own. And it'll leave you saying, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Each time I think about that, I think about the time I was engaged to be married. And I was certain this was the gal for me. And I was convinced she was certain that I was the guy for her. I was 22 years old and great, great Christian gal. who Loved the Lord, I loved the Lord. We got engaged and we were gonna go into ministry together. I was going to go to Grace College. And the plan was set, it was in motion. And yet that spring she came and she broke off the engagement and I just could not in that moment begin to process what was taking place. But I remember digging into God's word and I remember my mom coming in and she would say, Jim, it's not over. And I remember taking my eyes off of that moment and began looking down the road and say, man, God must have something better and I'll never forget that first day on Grace College with a broken heart, and I didn't want anything to do with girls, and it was rightly so, nothing at all. And I continued to go because I believed God had called me to ministry with this gal that I was engaged to, previously engaged to, and I knew she would be on campus, and I was trying to figure it all out, but I knew that God had called me to ministry, and I wasn't going to let this thing stop me. And I looked across that campus, and I saw this cute blonde in a white sweatshirt with a big green S state emblem on her shirt. And I remember thinking, hmm, huh, maybe there is life beyond that. <laughs> but you know what? I never would experience that if I would have stayed home. I never would experience what we are experiencing now. I never would experience what God had in store for me here. Sure, God could have had a plan, another plan, but I believe this was the plan. And I often wonder, how many of us miss this because of this? Because we're fair, weather, faith Christians. When I read this, I'm encouraged by the resurrection power of God. Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross to make bad people good, but to bring dead people back to life. That's you and me. You see, when we die, we have the promise that our our souls and our spirits are resurrected and our bodies will join our soul and spirit at the rapture and we will live again in a perfect way eternally. That's why the testing of our faith, these things allow us to persevere through them. But I'm telling you, some of you are still here and you've been coaxing here and living here in fear and you're missing out on this because all you see is this and Jesus is saying the gospel lives in you. There should be unusual joy even in the hardships that we face. One simple yes here can change your life and my life. One simple yes to that difficulty. One simple step of faith and say, okay, God, I trust you. God, I won't remain here in this holding pattern. Let me just pull away and say, some of you let me out. My Bible and your Bible says in Matthew 25, if you just keep remaining here and you don't use your gifts and your talents and your resources and your skills for him, he will take it from you. Let me ask you, have you been using your gifts and your talents and your resources or have they been put on hold? Listen, if you don't use them, you will lose them. Watch what happens in this account, John chapter 11, verse 17. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, she says, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God, who has come into the world. He's dead for four days. And the last time I checked roadkill, that was dead for four days. It doesn't live again. Why is that? Because there's no life in it and it's the smell is there's a stench that can be found around a dead body for four days. Yet she still believed even though we would say he was six feet under for four days. Many people would look at her and say oh well she's just grieving and people say crazy things when they grieve. But this wasn't grief. Grief. This was a woman who knew that her God was the possible God. She believed that Jesus could have healed his sickness. But in verse 22, there's this this beautiful phrase. And look again at verse 22. It says this. But I know that even now, she still believes that even now, even though he's been dead for four days, she was speaking out of faith and not fear. She believed before she could see. And when you and I give God a chance, he will give you a second chance. She still believed, even though he was six feet under many people. We look at her and wonder why. We live in a world, let's be honest, that celebrates the resurrection one time a year. And it's a big deal, Easter. Let's celebrate the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus at Easter. And the rest of the year, way too many Christians live as though Jesus is still nailed to the cross. And what do I mean by that? When the hardship comes, when difficulty comes, we are hesitant to step out in faith and believe. We forget that Jesus overcame everything, even death, And that Jesus was resurrected and he's not on the cross any longer. If you go to his grave, he's not there. The same God that will raise Lazarus from the dead lives in you. The cross is empty. But we live as though it's up to us to protect and save our lives. Unfortunately, our world is full of Christians who have retreated to safety, convenience, controlled environments. Relying on the plans of man and still thinking Jesus is on the cross. Living like Jesus is still dead. And I want to say, let's wake up, church. Let's live. We don't know how much longer we have. This past Friday night, we, we had our fight club kickoff and that's why I've lost my voice. And as we were there and hundreds of men gathered and we dedicated this chapter to a man by the name of Glenn Omen. He was one of our leaders. Faithful, faithful man of God. He came and built the wall. I was there three weeks ago on a Saturday that, that we have Mission Possible for our theme for Fight Club. He constructed, he built cubes with Darren Hosopel, and, and then we constructed it and put it together. And afterwards, the leaders, Fight Club leaders got together and we huddled together and we prayed for, for men that would come out in all weather, that they would walk through their fear and show up. And we prayed. And I remember Glenn praying that, that God would move in a powerful way. It was on a Saturday, Sunday morning. It snowed. It snowed here too. Glenn got up to go out and shovel his driveway. And he died of a heart attack. See, you and I don't know how long we have. But I don't want God to find us in retreat mode. (laughs) I want him to find us in Glenn mode. (laughs) Who was on the front lines preparing for what was next. One simple yes can change your life. Turn to Matthew chapter 28, and let me show you this unbelievable account of Jesus. Jesus has been resurrected post resurrection. In Matthew 28, 17, I want you to picture this if you can. Jesus died, resurrected, appeared to many, appeared to thousands. He was on earth for about 30 days, going around and showing people that he was in his resurrected body. Now he's standing. Picture this, Jesus. It's his ascension. So he's ready to ascend to heaven, to go and spend time with his Father God. So picture, literally, him hovering, speaking to his disciples and his resurrected body, ready to leave them. And then Matthew 28, 17, it says this. Verse 16 first. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they what, him? What's it say? They worshiped him, but some what? what I want to say, what? He's in a resurrected form. He's hovering above you. He's ready to ascend to heaven. He just spent 30 days on earth. He came back from the dead. Some worshiped. Some retreated in doubt and fear. How was that possible? It's the same way it's possible for you. How many of you have retreated And fear, even though you and I have a written account that Jesus is alive. And let me, the last time I checked, nothing has changed. Some will worship. Some believe. Bring it on, Jesus. Bring it on. I believe. Raw, life-changing power of the gospel lives in me. Because you're me. And some of us, well, I don't know. Should I go? (laughs) How is it possible, you say? It's still happening in our world today. You know how it happens? You have placed the control of your life in your hands instead of the hands that holds the world together. Here's what I've noticed about Christians we hope things will get better and we think about our situations often. Yet, do we pray as often as we think and hope about them? And then we wonder why nothing has changed. The reason is it is just a thought and not a prayer for you. God can't answer 100% of the prayers we never ask. <laughs> The moment a situation moves from a wish, a thought, a concern, a reminder to a prayer is the moment we have a chance to see our God act. You see, if you feel like your dream is dead, maybe God has you right where he wants you. Lazarus' sister says, yes, Lord, I believe. It takes guts to ask Jesus to raise your brother back to life, doesn't it? Seriously. (laughs) No one had ever asked Jesus to do this before. Yes, Jesus, I believe, she said. No one has ever, it's stupid faith. People say, she's just grieving. People that grieve do crazy things, say crazy things. No, no. She just had crazy faith in her God. And I want to say this today. Lazarus lived because his sister believed. Her faith unlocked the chains of death on his life. How many people are living because of your faith? How many people, how many sons and daughters are being set free because of your faith? How many people are experiencing the resurrection power of Jesus because of your faith? I'm convinced Lazarus wouldn't have lived if his sister didn't say, yes, Lord, I believe. How many places are you interceding in spots like this for people because you believe? Better question. How many people would even come to you and ask you, to believe and pray, or do they see you retreating and thinking, I thought, I thought they were Christians. The raw life, heart-starting power of the gospel lives in us. Jesus has given us everything we need to overcome that. Maybe we have lost the belief that Jesus can do anything. We spend the majority of our prayers in what I would call preventive faith area. By the way, this is a great way to pray, but don't stay here. We pray things like this God, keep this from happening to me. God, give us safety as we travel. God, place a hedge of protection around our kids. God, don't let them do anything that will scar them for life. They're great prayers, noble prayers, but don't stay there and prevent of faith. Go to resurrection faith arena. That is, it is faith that refuses to put periods at the end of disappointments. Even when the application is denied. Even when the adoption fails. Even when the pregnancy test comes back negative. Even when you have been cut from the team. Even when the doctor's report is hopeless at best. Yes, Lord, I believe. Why? Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me that know Christ. Where do you need... To step back into the arena of faith. Where have you retreated and wasted a year of your life? Hear me out. If you don't use your talents and gifts, you will lose your talents and gifts because God has us here to use them and not to lose them. I watch four guys trust in Jesus Christ Friday night at 1.30 in the morning on the hill at the lodge. And I had this thought and then I asked them. I said, come up front and I asked the leaders to come and actually there were five guys and, and they boldly just walked up. Brand new believers, man. And inside I was saying, that's why we met. That's why we showed up. That's why God wanted us there. That's why there were 12 inches of snow on the ground and we were still there. But then... I thought of this as they drove home in their cars and vehicles, that they came without Christ and they left with the resurrection power inside of them. And as God looked down from heaven, He saw a light going to a new address on Earth, changed forever. Maybe the reason we don't experience more miracles is because we don't put ourselves into situations that necessitate them because we retreat retreated in fear. One man said it this way, we comfort the grieving instead of calling dead things out of the grave. But if we took a few more risks, we might see a few more miracles. At some point, Grace, hear me out. We got to look a little stupid in our faith. The resurrection of Jesus is central to our faith. Look at verse 38 and 39 of John chapter 11. At some point, we got to look stupid. John 11, 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laying across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor for he has been there for days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. That phrase, that says that Jesus was deeply moved. Let me give you a better understanding because that's often glossed over. We think compassionately Jesus was deeply moved. The English doesn't really have a word for the Greek word that's used here. It should be translated, not Jesus was deeply moved. It should be, he snorted with anger. He snorted with anger. Or picture a bull ready to charge. John Calvin said, it was like Jesus was ready to enter the ring with the wrestler. And so it says, Jesus shouts at death in a loud voice. In other words, death, come out. It's like, let's get it on. That's the picture. He was deeply moved. He was angry. I will not live death when Lazarus, get out of that grave. That's what deeply moved really means. And for the record, it's a good thing he only said Lazarus because every dead body would have come out of the graves. (laughs) Let me give you a little tradition about burials too because sometimes this gets lost in the account. When you would prepare a body for burial, the feet are bound at the ankles and arms are tied to the body with linen strips. So just picture, if you can, mummy. Then the body would have been wrapped in about a hundred pounds of grave clothes. Hundred pounds. Some scholars believe that Lazarus' head would have been wrapped with so many linens, it would have measured a foot wide. Twelve inches. He would have looked like a mummy. Placed into this cave so really two miracles are about to take place one that he lived and the other one he walked out of that grave (laughs) I don't know if he came bouncing out (laughs) but he came out and Jesus says take off your grave clothes and let him go if you don't take the risk you'll miss the miracle someone has to take a step of faith in order for Jesus to bring life to that dead dream. One little yes from Jesus can change your life. One little yes can change your eternity. When Jesus died on the cross, Satan smirked. But Jesus got the last laugh, and he always does. If you give him a chance, he can bring dead things back to life. We are people of the possible God. Imagine how Lazarus finished his physical life. Have you ever thought about that? How would that change your life if you were in a grave and you were resurrected? Imagine how he lived out his life from that point on. By the way, he would die again. And history records that his sisters were there for that funeral too. (laughs) I bet they responded a little different at that funeral. In fact, tradition tells us this about Lazarus. They offer two versions of what happened to Lazarus after his resurrection. One holds that he and his sister made their way to the island of Cyprus where Lazarus was the first bishop of Ketion. The church of Saint Lazarus in the modern day city of Larnica is believed by some to be built over his second tomb which he buried in some 30 years after his first death. A second church tradition holds that Lazarus and his sisters ended up In Marseille, France, where Lazarus survived the persecution of Christians by Nero by hiding in a tomb appropriately enough, but eventually died by beheading during the persecution ordered by the emperor Domitian. I'm not sure exactly what, but I do know this. He had a story to tell. And his story is true and it's being told today. Jesus brings dead things back to life. Jesus would later resurrect himself and the word impossible has been removed from our vocabulary. When Jesus died on the cross, Satan smiled, but the grave robber got the last laugh. He always does, doesn't he? And if you give him a chance, he will give your smile back. He will give your laugh back. He will give your life back. A life of power. Raw, life-changing, heart-starting power called the gospel. We are people of the possible God. And he lives in us. Oh, Lord... I pray that that would be the posture of our lives. I pray that we wouldn't waste the work of Jesus on the cross. I pray that we don't waste the resurrection power that lives in us. I pray that we would tap into the living hope, Jesus. The raw, life-changing, heart-starting power of the gospel. Our living hope, Jesus Christ Amen.